If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show. For those of you that want to watch the program live or on demand, as long as Facebook allows us to do that, Hope you had a great weekend, and thank you for joining us. So, um, as it is with most uh, most Mondays, we have a plethora of things to get to today, and I think I want to start off the top here by just reiterating something I had, um, I guess, said or discussed from the beginning, and that is... That is our desire here, to be a voice of, of calm and reason, one of perspective, one that does not give in to fear, one that is not fueled and motivated solely by fear. In fact, I think that if we have to recognize realities. We have to recognize... Um, what we're dealing with, but at the same time, at the same time, understand that panic and complete fear are never, never a good thing. They're not good things. And so there's all sorts of, I guess, fuel for the fear. There's fuel for the actual coronavirus and uh, COVID-19 in particular that of course, the, the health side of this. There's also the economic side of this, which we've talked about as well. And I don't know if you saw this, but Mnuchin is out there saying that we can expect, Americans can expect their checks within within three weeks. So sometime mid-April, you should be receiving, if you qualify, you should be receiving whatever it is that's coming from this uh, coronavirus bill, this package that was passed and signed uh, this past week, your $1,200 per person, $500 per child, that should hit sometime. That should hit sometime in April. So, economic uncertainty is still out there, of course. Having this, uh, having this money, a lot of folks are needing 
this money. And of course, we got the whole issue, which we've we've touched on and, and discussed, which is uh, the government's government's role in all of this and what exactly should and can be done here. We're navigating a situation that, candidly, um, you know, I don't want to say was unpredictable because there's always, I'm sure that there's there's always people that look at these sorts of things long term and project this and study these sorts of things. Truth is that there's a lot of fear and uh, cataclysmic uh, cataclysmic projections a lot of times, which is one of the reasons why I think some folks maybe at first were skeptical of the risks of coronavirus. And I think, look, I think it's always fair to ask questions and you know, to demand that those that are making these or expect those that are making these uh, dire claims to be able to articulate that and not simply rely on because because I'm a scientist, uh, I'm right because a, a lot of times they haven't been. They haven't been right and they've they have been correct, uh, maybe not in the degree so far, but of course, as Dr. Fauci said yesterday, which I'm going to play this soundbite in his conversation with Jake Tapper of CNN that 100,000 to 200,000 Americans could die from coronavirus. I'll say that again if if you did not hear this already, but 100,000 to 200,000 Americans could die uh, based upon models. And of course, models are all over the place. You have models that have relatively relatively low numbers. And again, I always want to preface this, a life is a life. I'm not we're talking about numbers at this particular point, so I'm not trying to gloss this over. I've made it clear that as a Christian that I believe that all life is made, all humanity is created in the image of God, that we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Or as Joe Biden would say, that thing, you know the thing. You know the thing. I don't want to talk about that anymore because I've totally forgotten what I'm saying. I don't even know what I'm quoting. Joe Biden might say, but this is the value of a life. Um, as a Christian, I firmly believe was enough in the mind and heart of God to send his one and only son to pay that penalty and to reconcile that life to himself should the person choose to reenter into that relationship with God. And so when we talk about numbers, sometimes people get a little bit... Um, they forget about that that's encompassing all these these numbers. So we can't – we have to talk about numbers as well. And so I want that to be a blanket statement that that um, we, we that applies as we're talking about numbers because I'm not blowing this off and I don't want to be – to come across as either, I don't know, callous or unconcerned or – overly concerned or panicked or paranoid or any of those things. So, But he's saying that if you look at these models and these projections, that there are 100,000 to 200,000. Dr. Burks, I almost certain. 100,000 to 200,000 Americans will die. Now, there's some that show much higher numbers, but you've seen that some of those dire projections have actually now, the, the numbers have come down. The projections have actually come down on the numbers of, of death. But you'll find some projections out there that are lower than this. But 
as Dr. Fauci points out in this particular soundbite where he's speaking with Jake Tapper of CNN, that normally, normally in this circumstance, we have somewhere in the middle is where is where the numbers actually turn out to be. And so he said these models that are projecting 100,000 to 200,000 American deaths, and I want to point out he he does actually misspeak here. He says cases at first. He corrects himself and says deaths uh, in this in this soundbite. And so that may be the, a startling number for some. That may be exactly what some of you were thinking. That may be a lot less than some were thinking because, again, the numbers have been projected all over the place. And so this is where as we get into where it looks like the models and the projections based upon what we're seeing from social distancing, based upon what we've seen from quarantining and isolating those who are sick, contact tracing, uh, all this sort of stuff. They believe, they believe now that that what we the, the results of you could say either the effectiveness of social distancing or maybe the the lack of what social distancing was really able to produce depending again upon your viewpoint here 100,000 to 200,000 Americans are projected to die from coronavirus. So I want to play start off today by playing this soundbite Dr. Fauci with Jake Tapper CNN State of the Union yesterday Sunday morning had this conversation with Jake Tapper. Well, Dr. Burke said yesterday as you know that she doesn't think any city will be spared from this virus. Um, how many cases do you think the US will reach? A million cases, two, 10 million cases, or, or, these, we, or do we not even have any idea? You know, Jake, the honest, to be honest with you, we don't really have any firm idea. There are things called models. And when someone creates a model, they put in various assumptions. And the model is only as good and as accurate as your assumptions. And whenever the models come in, they give a worst case scenario and a best case scenario. Generally, the reality is somewhere in the middle. I've never seen a model of the diseases that I've dealt with, which the worst case scenario actually came out. They always overshoot. So when you use numbers like a million, a million and a half, two million, that almost certainly is off the chart. Now, it's not impossible, but very, very unlikely. So it's difficult to present. I mean, looking at what we're seeing now, you know, I would say between 100 and 200,000 cases, but I don't want to be held to that. Because it's, 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 excuse me, deaths. I mean, we're going to have millions of cases, but I, I just don't think that we really need to make a projection when it's such a moving target that you can so easily be wrong and mislead people. What we do know, Jake, is that we got a serious mm-hmm. problem in New York. We have a serious problem in New Orleans, and we're going to be developing serious problems in other areas. So although people like to model it, Let's just look at the data of what we have and not worry about these worst case and best case scenarios. Okay, so there you have it. Dr. Fauci explaining to Jake Tapper there some of the, I guess, the rationale, how we arrive at these numbers. And again, saying, I don't want to be pinned down here because I'm not, it it, it depends upon what happens. In, In a similar way, I know this might frustrate some of you, but 
there's a lot of times I have people ask me on a regular basis, who's going to win this? Who's going to win this election? And I say, look, this thing is going to be very close unless something dramatically changes here on the landscape. And who knows in the fallout of this, what that looks like, what that means. But it does. It, it depends upon other factors that are not yet determined. Now, I'm not looking over the reality that a certain amount of people are going to vote for Joe Biden or, I mean, you name your favorite Democrat. You Heck, you could say Snoopy, right? You could say your favorite character from a sitcom in the 80s. Some people would vote for literally anyone other than Donald J. Trump to be president of the United States. Some people would vote for Trump, conversely, no matter who was running as the opponent, as the Democrat nominee, and that, I'm guessing, is the vast majority of you because uh, one of two things, either you are very pleased with Trump, think that what he's doing is heading, uh, leading this nation in the right direction, and you believe that what he's doing are the sorts of things that should have been done long ago, number one, or some folks say, look, I can never vote for a Democrat because of their current platform, because of their march towards socialism, or maybe you're a combination thereof. But there are things that are yet to have happened that are going to impact this 2020 campaign. In a like fashion, in a like way, Dr. Fauci says, look, it appears that there will be 100,000 to 200,000 Americans who are going to die from coronavirus, but I don't want to be held to that, largely because it's still going to be based upon factors and things that we do from this moment forward, how individual cities and regions and states respond, how people uh, continue to live their own personal lives. Are they going to be following the guidelines set forth by the CDC in regards to social distancing, which, of course, you've seen now that Those have been extended through April 30th. Those have been extended through uh, April 30th. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of people would criticize Trump for saying he had hoped that we could open some of the country back up by Easter. And they were vehemently against that. And it turns out that's not, you know, we're not ready. They made the calculations and the analysis that we're not to that point yet. So they're continuing to recommend another four weeks or whatever it comes out to be exactly here, four weeks of social distancing, four and a half weeks, at which time they will reevaluate it and potentially extend it, potentially lessen it. It just, again, it depends on what happens. It depends on how Americans live their lives. It depends upon how this disease is, is spreading. It depends upon how local communities are able to deal with this health crisis once it spikes and peaks in their local communities. And so the good, that's both the good and the bad news. The good news is that we still have the potential to impact this, right? We can still do things that minimize our risk and by extension, the risk of those that we come into contact with or those we don't come into contact with because we're not contacting people. And likewise, likewise, we can uh, we can create a scenario whereby the situation becomes worse, and 
healthcare, local healthcare systems are candidly overrun or, you know, pushed to the brink of being able to care for those in this particular uh, COVID-19 crisis. So anyway, lots to say, lots more happened over the weekend. We got Nancy Pelosi out there and uh, Chuck Todd, Jiminy Chuck Todd of NBC asking Joe Biden a question. Actually, something I want to applaud Joe Biden on. Never thought I would say this, but a an answer that Joe Biden gave that I actually want to give applause to. Kudos here as we talk about a variety of things as the program comes together. But we'll get to those things after the break. Get out of your time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. You know, I know, I know that there are a variety of, well, the people listening in this audience, there's a wide uh, variety of, of, of course, people, uh, circumstances, employment, financial situations, and so forth. And so different people look at this government, uh, these checks that are coming, the $1,200 per person deal that Mnuchin said that should arrive should arrive in Americans' accounts within the next couple of weeks by, I think he said, the next three weeks. I know that different. some people need that money desperately. Some people need that money a little. Some people are doing fine. And uh, some, some folks, so, you know, at this particular point, haven't noticed uh, that they can see the problems elsewhere but haven't felt uh, any problems particular pain economically, financially at this point. So there's a wide variety is the point. And so different people look at this differently. In fact, I've, I've even heard of people, you've seen them on the news saying, hey, I don't even want my money. I'd like to do something else with it, uh, give, give it to someone else, whatever the case may be. If that describes you, if that describes you, you've been blessed, you're doing well financially, uh, you're uh, obviously concerned about things, but you're personally you're you're doing just fine, and you're looking for ways to help. I encourage you to look at supporting one of our partners here, and we're doing a, a 40 days program with Shepherd Community on the Near East side of Indianapolis. In fact, I'll be having the executive director of Shepherd on on this program later this week, where he can kind of tell you what he's doing. And I've got to tell you, I've said this before, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Jay Height, Executive Director of Shepherd Community Center, is a is a very impressive individual, a very principled individual. The things that they are doing as Shepherd, as a conservative, as a Christian like myself, I am I applaud tremendously what they're doing. If we could see more people doing the things that Shepherd Community is doing in other areas of Indiana and other areas of Utah and other areas of this country, wherever you're listening to this program, good things would result. And so we have this 40 days program with Shepherd Community where they are trying to help uh, meet the spiritual, physical, emotional, and academic needs of our neighbors here in central Indiana. They want to break the cycle of poverty in specifically the Near East Side community of Indianapolis, one 
child at a time. You can donate $40, $40 by going to shepherdcommunity.org slash 40 days. That's the number 40, four zero, shepherdcommunity.org slash 40 days. Be sure to check that out. If, okay, again, I know it's difficult for some people at this time, uh, but if that, if, if you're doing well, if you're looking for other people to help, Shepherd Community is an organization that I think does truly phenomenal, phenomenal work, and I am very, very pleased to be partnered with them. So check them out, shepherdcommunity.com slash 40 days. Okay, so before the break, we were talking about numbers, talking about talking about Dr. Fauci, his predictions, projections at this point, which again, he doesn't want to be married to, saying that, hey, there's other factors, other things that could be changed here. But we're looking at 100,000 to 200,000 potential um, deaths, deaths from coronavirus. So that's the first soundbite I wanted to play you. Now, because of because of politics, because of Gemini, the the nature of coronavirus, because of the nature of media, we had a whole other thing happening in media over the weekend. And this is Chuck Todd, Chuck Todd, NBC News, interviewing Joe Biden. Joe Biden's at home in Wilmington, Delaware. I did not see him scratching his face and touching his face in this interview like he did in another recently, but Biden sitting there talking to Chuck Todd and Chuck Todd. Now I want you to hear this exchange if you if you haven't heard this. I mean, this is I think truly reprehensible. This by the way, this exchange is really in my estimation exactly the sort of thing that makes Trump respond the way he does to the media. When they ask him questions at these at these coronavirus task force, you know, media update sort of things, press or whatever you want to call this thing, press conference. And Trump takes to the podium and he's dealing with journalists that he says, you write fake news, she writes fake news, all this sort of stuff. It's it's rooted in what we're hearing, what we're hearing here. And I know Oz is going to tell me it's time to take a break, but I want to squeeze this in before the break. So this is Chuck Todd talking to Joe Biden yesterday. Meet the press. I want you to hear this exchange. I want you to hear the exchange, the words that are used. Chuck Todd has taken a lot of criticism for this, and I think rightfully so. Here you go. You know, your campaign put out your, in a critique of, of President Trump and says if he doesn't do these things, you know, he could he could cost lives. Do you think there's already, do you think there is blood on the president's hands considering the slow response? Or is that too, too harsh of a criticism? I think that's a little too harsh. I think what's happening is the failure to, as I watched a, a prelim to your show where someone said that, uh, made, made the phrase, used the phrase that uh, the president just thinks out loud. He should stop thinking out loud and start thinking deeply. He should start listening to the scientists before he speaks. He should listen to the health experts. He should listen to his economists. He should, for example, the United States Congress passed a significant piece of legislation to help deal with the incredible financial crunch that's going to affect working families and all families, the whole economy. So we should be right now thinking about how do we get those small business loans out the door? Because right now you're not banks. That's not 
the strong point of banks, focusing on getting small business loans out. That's for most of the employees. He should be focusing on making sure we're in a situation where we're able to see to it that unemployment benefits can get to people. What's the IRS doing to get those $1,200 checks to people, et cetera? That's yeah. where the focus should be, and it should be laser focus. All right. I don't know how much we, we should take here from listening to Biden lecture us on thinking and how to articulate and communicate things. Um, but I do give him kudos here, applause to Joe Biden for not saying that there's blood on President Trump's hands. Blood. That's what Chuck Todd asks. Is there blood on, President's Trump, on President Trump's hands here? Is he responsible effectively to some degree, the deaths of Americans because of his lack of response to coronavirus or what they're now saying repeatedly as a lack of response to coronavirus. We'll talk about this when we get back. I got some other things to say, but we're up against a break. Got to take a time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, I am a political talk show host, as you as you know, by listening to this program each and every day. Thank you for doing that, by the way. It's always my pleasure to have you here in the audience, and I, I love doing this. But if, if, as a political talk radio, talk show host, whatever, podcaster, whatever you want to call it in today's world, if I... I Politics always matters, but let us put things into perspective here. Let us put things into perspective, and this is to Chuck Todd. The idea, the idea that he would ask the presumptive Democrat presidential nominee a question as to whether or not President Trump has blood on his hands, blood on his hands for the, what is it now, over 2,400 deaths I saw as of yesterday, uh, that had been reported due to coronavirus here in the United States of America, 2,400 deaths. Chuck Todd's basically saying president, uh, well, <laughs> not president-elect, but president, uh, presidential candidate Joe Biden, do you believe that there's blood on President Trump's hands here? And again, kudos to Joe Biden for not jumping into that quagmire. I mean, it's remarkable that he didn't, some of the other things that he does do, but I do think, thankfully, that this is totally unnecessary. There is a time and a place to analyze what happened, what went wrong, and all this sort of stuff, and we're not, we're not there yet. We're in the midst of navigating, navigating this, this crisis. We're in the midst of trying to, trying to, follow the the leadership, at least I was under the assumption we were, maybe that's naive in today's world, because again, everything is political, I guess. I just think, I, I put myself in the shoes of those who are Democrats, those who don't like the current administration. I can't relate to their level of hatred, disdain, anger, and rage. And that's not all of them, but that's a that's a sizable chunk. It's a sizable chunk. They just hate Trump. They cannot ever foresee the possibility of him doing anything Good. They can't ever come to grips with this concept of trying to get behind him and 
in the sense of leading us through a crisis. I mean, they they there are some people, folks, who would literally. Uh, well, I think a couple of things. Their hatred is so so powerful. They are blinded by any sense of reality. They are blinded to any particular circumstance that has to be dealt with, no matter who our leaders are at the given at any given moment in time. They are blinded by their rage. They refuse to accept that Trump is leading, and and they just they hate the guy. The other side, there's another group of people who look at this and they think, how do we see political opportunity here, and how can we make it benefit our side in this upcoming election? That look, the, the one side is just deranged. The side that just it cannot act in even their own best self interest whenever. President Trump tells them that they should take certain actions. Whenever President Trump's trying to lead through a crisis, even if he's telling these people, some of these folks, things that they should do or things that he and his administration are trying to do uh, to to limit this this crisis, to deal with things, some folks are just you know full of hatred, no matter what he does. But others, others want to see him fail. And and there is a fine line between these two. The people that hate him want to see him fail, but I think a lot of the people that hate him simply hate him. That's that's the that's the motivating emotion. That is the that is the fuel for this particular circumstance in their mind. It is simply I hate Trump. Anytime he speaks, I don't want to do what he says. Anytime he speaks, I don't want to listen. I want to start protesting. I want to scream at the universe. I want my adult coloring book back. I want to put in a request for a service dog. I want some adult Play-Doh to cope with President Trump. After all, I've been my behavior has been reinforced by the media for some time, basically saying that that's almost the rational response to a Trump presidency. And I take refuge in that. I want my safe space. But there's others who are constantly politically calculating. And again, I'm talking about the upper echelons of the party. I'm talking about those who some of their names you know and some of the names you don't know because some of the names you don't know are behind the scenes. They don't want to be known. They just want to be the puppet masters. They want to be the uh, the, the strategists and the, the folks that are kind of directing things, orchestrating things behind the scenes. And both of these are reprehensible, but in particular that one, in particular that one. But to, to blame this on the president – you know, it's it's remarkable how the media. I mean, I, I wonder. Just it's easy to be a critic sometimes. No matter what Trump does, no matter what whoever the president is, even Obama, no matter who the president, some people just want to criticize. And I understand to a point, especially when the ideas being implemented are fundamentally flawed. But there's there needs to be articulation and explanation associated with that. And so I hear these these arguments that Trump is, you know, Trump is responsible for certain things with governors not have states not having hospitals not having respirators. And I find myself wondering, well, what had the governors done about these things? Why is that not a fair question? We're not allowed to ask that question. In fact, in fact, we're told that if we ask that question, we're really impeding the process of, of said governors getting respirators, which we're assuming is somehow directly Trump's responsibility. What about hospital? I mean, look, I 
I understand that this is a series of worst case scenarios that is kind of playing out before our eyes here. But why again? Hospitals could have had have a role in this. Maybe maybe the scope of this was greater than we should expect from them. Okay. I'll I'll I'm open to that. But what about states and governors? Why are they not responsible for this as well? Why is it always the president of the United States, and why are we always to interpret whatever happens in in this large bureaucratic state? Why are we always to assume it's because Trump hates or doesn't want to help those those people on the front lines, those people in individual states? There's even now question if Trump is helping those who um, politically are on his side quicker and easier, more effectively than those who aren't. These are the sorts of questions that are out there buzzing around in certain circles, find their, them, themselves onto, on media from time to time. But this is – this is look, it's, it's all political and it's fueled by – in some, in the mind of some, by pure hatred for Trump. But I remember when he did the travel ban back at the end of January against China. He faced harsh criticism for this. This wasn't necessary. This was targeting a population, xenophobic, all that kind of stuff. Now he hasn't acted quickly enough. Now they're in the mind of Chuck Todd. We could assume, based upon the question, that that one could make the case. He believes, Chuck Todd believes, that there is blood on the hands of President Trump. And Oz is right. She's waving her phone over here saying, hey, it is time to take a break, and I'm going to do that. You're listening to the home of conservative Not Better Talk Radio Safe Space. Tuned into Radio Safe Space. Be back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Not to be outdone, we've got Nancy Pelosi out there. I think she's also on CNN. Is that where she is? I can't even keep up. They're all the same. All the same that these um, these politicians, these leftists go on CNN, MSNBC, whatever. It's all the same to, again, further their narrative, to sharpen their political axes and so forth. Um let us listen to what she has to say about President Trump and coronavirus, his response in particular. Here's Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi yesterday, or this weekend, I should say. Before I cue that up, well, here we go. Before I cue that up, I just saw a poll on Fox News that's showing if Biden is the nominee, if Biden is the nominee, who would you vote for? Uh, Democrats, 80% said Biden, 15% said Trump. Just food for thought here. But here's this interview with Nancy Pelosi, CNN again with Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper, State of the Union, um, discussing coronavirus and Trump's response to coronavirus with Nancy Pelosi. Here it is. President Trump is considering relaxing federal guidelines for coronavirus for some of the less affected parts of the country. Do you think he should? Well, first of all, let me just say how sad it is that even since the president's signing of the bill, the number of deaths reported has doubled from 1,000 to 2,000 in our country. This is such a very, very sad time for us. So we should be taking every precaution. Uh, What the president, his uh, denial at the beginning uh, was deadly. His delaying of getting 
uh, equipment to where it continues is delaying getting equipment to where it's needed is deadly. And now I think the best thing would be to do is to prevent uh, more loss of life rather than open things up so that, because we just don't know. We have to have testing, testing, testing. That's what we said from the start before we can evaluate uh, what the, the, the uh, nature of it is in some of these other regions as well. I don't know what the purpose of that is. I don't know what the scientists are saying to him. I don't know what the scientists said to him. When did the president know about this? And what did he know? What did he know and when did he know it? That's for an after-action review. But as mm-hmm. the president fiddles, people are dying. And we, have to, we just have to take every precaution. As the president fiddles, as the president fiddles, people are dying, of course, conjuring up images of the, of the tweeted image that Trump himself retweeted, Trump fiddling, and people saying that's, of course, a reference to Emperor Nero fiddling as Rome burned in the first century. And Trump, of course, um, that's exactly what Trump's doing here in this particular circumstance, according according to Nancy Pelosi and the radical left. Again, they, they keep saying delaying. Look, I know that for the radical left, they've never – there are things to, to factor in here, right? There are things to factor in. And one of those things is that we have liberties in this country. We have liberties. We have freedom. We have an economy that depends upon people's freedom to, to act and to move around. And there are things to consider, things that we're learning about this. But Trump, to say that Trump delayed, to say that Trump delayed, Trump not might not have taken the particular step that Nancy Pelosi thought that he did. But again, Nancy Pelosi is over here being a critic in the in the corner. No matter what President Trump did, she was going to criticize us. So I'm not too concerned about what Nancy Pelosi said. I just play that to illustrate the politics of this. And I'm going to say something else here. Someone could, who listened to what she said here, talking about a review of the president's actions. When did he know? When did he know it? Excuse me, what did he know? When did he know it? That sort of talk certainly leads one to think, what are they going to do? Are they going to investigate this? I mean, this is, you know, like like they did with everything else since the guy's been been president. Are we listening to the beginnings of um, impeachment 2.0? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get too far into this sort of stuff. But you wonder in the world, in the minds of these people where everything is political, everything is political, nothing is off limits for them. Nothing is off limits. Again, in the words of Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste. It's reprehensible. It's despicable. It's deplorable. And I've got to take a break. You're listening to the home of conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. You know, if you're going to come, going to come both guns ablazing after President Trump and his response to coronavirus like Nancy Pelosi did in that soundbite we played last segment where she wanted to say that President Trump was fiddling as coronavirus burned and all this sort of nonsense. 
at least get your act together. I mean, with all the practicing and so forth that you do behind the behind the scenes, all the consultants you talk with on how to phrase and word things, at least get it together. At least deliver on the political theater. You miss the mark each and every time, and it's really kind of sad. Anyway, got to wrap up here. Hour number one, hour number two in just a minute. SDG, see you in a few.